0: Hello and welcome everyone to this week's episode of Double DM Podcast, where we are gonna be discussing today character development. And how you as a player can drive your character to change and how you as the GM can set the stage so your players can develop their characters or give them something their character has to develop over. But first, as every week, let's discuss what happened in Niels' and my TTRPG adventures and life. So, Niels. I don't know why I suddenly sounded American. Niels, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really, really great. Slept well. Not long, but well. That's the uh, big part, I think. The good part. And yeah, I'm overall pretty fucking happy. How about you? Um, <laughs> Good start to that I think, question. I think, um, I
0: think that describes it very well. Yesterday was the um, Christmas party of my workplace, and I, I basically messaged Niels at like midnight or something. Around that Hey, time, yeah. we can still record tomorrow morning. I will just be hungover. We will do it. Perfect. And that's basically what happens. And I am here. I am doing kind of (laughs) good. I'm very happy uh, that I don't have to work today. Understandably so. And yeah, um, I'm happy to record. (laughs) So that's that. Yeah, it's
1: been a week. It's been a week. It's fucking cold outside. It's been a fucking week. Uh, I can't really remember the last time it snowed in Germany in November. It's been a while. I have no fucking idea. Yeah, and maybe, at least regarding to weather forecasts and stuff, we might have snow on Christmas uh, this year. (laughs) On Christmas disease. Disease. <laughs> Disease. um Which would be actually the first time in 13 years again. Um, last time was 2010. We had snow on Christmas. Yeah, we haven't gotten much
0: snow in Germany. Even in December, most of the time. Mostly yeah. only snows around January and February here.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, during that weather, driving in a pretty old car is... Um, or can be challenging when mm. the fog that builds up on the inside of the window freezes what? during your at work. It's what? fun. Oh, oh, wait, it isn't. Um, <clears throat> you're just going to your car after work, completely done, and then you realize you have to scrape your windows from the inside. Beautiful. A lot of fun. Trust me, it isn't. <laughs> I can yeah. speak from first hand experience from yesterday. <laughs> 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 yeah and it's always a challenge if you can't get open your um, passenger seat door because it's frozen <laughs> always fun
0: i mean the winter has been hitting um everyone at surprise i mean in germany really it, like the 28th of november was like oh you want snow yeah i can give you a snowstorm basically
1: yeah and, and it's Kind, it was kind of out of nowhere. It wasn't that cold and then suddenly it dropped like 10 degrees. It, it was pretty sudden change.
0: Like for real, I, I was visiting my parents and I saw a little bit of white coverage on, on a nearby football field or on a nearby soccer field, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fuck, it's really winter now. But it wasn't necessarily like snow. It was more like like icy, right? The Icy the, residue
1: pr- stuff. Ice, yeah, icy imagery. residue. And
0: it, right, it's a, it's a very flat surface, so it just collects there and stuff like that. The next day, I wake up, go to the toilet, right? And then walk to the kitchen and look outside the big fucking window in my living room, and it's just white. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck yep. happened? And yeah, um snow happened?
1: I'm not a big fan of winter overall. I'm more of a summer person. Having no clouds in the sky, completely blue blue sky and some sunshine, but Mm -hmm. it being fucking cold and snowy, or it has snowed the day before, peak winter times. Peak winter times. That always reminds me of my uh, skiing vacation, which is which is always a lot of fun. Or was always a lot of fun.
0: Snow days aside, Christmas time aside, TTRPGs.
1: It has been a week for that as well, let me tell so you. So it didn't happen for you, or what? <laughs> no, it was um, it was an amazing week. My Tuesday session sadly fell through because two pl- players fell ill, because of weather changes and stuff. It happens. Mm. Um, no big deal but the sunday man was this day packed i mean that sunday <laughs> that sunday <laughs> that was, I was last sunday com- that, I wasn't, that wasn't e- isn't even a complete week ago no, when you hear this it, it is a bit over a week ago but it isn't a week i mean week, that no. sunday what the fuck it feels like sunday. years yeah, yeah, I know, right? So, lay it on
0: me, Niels. How was Sunday for you?
1: It has been I don't want to say a roller coaster of emotions because that would mean there were were bad parts, which there weren't. No, no, no,
0: no, no, no. No. The thing about a roller coaster, right? Is you need those downtime swings to get through
1: those up to those high ti- high
0: uptime moments as well.
1: Then okay, let's go with it was a roller coaster. Mhm. But a fucking good one with um downtimes in terms of um excitement but we had lots of airtime <laughs> we had lots of fucking airtime and some of the corkscrews and looping and amazing shit
0: free for
1: all yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah it, it was just an amazing day i i really really enjoyed that mm-hmm. the session uh, we had two sessions on that day the first one was just oh hmm it, it just hit right uh, close to home. It was amazing. I really, really enjoyed that. Okay. Okay. Why? I mean, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but our listeners weren't. Yeah, yes, I, that's I know. The I know. <laughs> I'm just thinking how much i can tell without um i mean you can at least say something yeah um it was one of the finals or the final session of uh, one of our actual plays in the making and yeah just the build-up to that and then actually playing the last session was just amazing yeah stuff happened stories got kind of finished yeah and basically the campaign is done which is A weird feeling because now I can't get to play that with you anymore Uh and enjoy your characters and their character interactions. Uh But on the other hand, we got closure for your characters Uh in a way, Uh and we finished the campaign or that campaign, which is fucking amazing as well. So yeah, that what that uh, that was that session, and the other one was our cyberpunk session, which was also a lot of fucking fun. Um, completely cut off. Uh, from the other uh, inside group of that heist uh, scenario hacking my way through a security network and at some points completely failing and being shut out as you do trying to find a way around that not being able to as you do and then <laughs> working with what you've got this is the way
0: i mean if you roll a minus on an interface check or something yeah, it yeah, happens yeah, yeah. yeah it it, it was bad luck very bad luck but it happens but yeah we have to exactly. deal with that when it happens yeah you know cyberpunk was great um especially because right after we finished more or less this heist that you've guys been doing for the last uh, session mm-hmm. or two we've basically gotten a lot more plot lines now there is one of you has heard that there is a, that there are nomad packs and especially his own nomad pack coming back to town for whatever reason, there is um, some kind of new drug on the scene that makes... People, especially people close to one of the uh, to to the rocker boy of the party, OD. Some someone has maybe been sabotaging that drug as well. And we've also have been getting a new net runner cult puzzle for you, as mm-hmm. your net runner uh, has has found something that is called the anomaly on the web, um, yeah. where he might find promising riches and fame. Perfect.
1: This is the way. Yeah, and and that puzzle I have no fucking clue yet. <laughs> <laughs> I am lost in that in that sense. But I'm here for it. I'm not
0: going to say too much about the puzzle. Yep, However, it has to be solved with all the clues provided by what you already have.
1: All right. I'll have to go through my notes again. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the puzzle is completely solvable
0: just by the image you see that I sent you to the group chat, basically. All and right. For those listening at home, it's basically just an image with a bunch of numbers and um, letters Spaced um, between each other, and on top of that, the word anomaly for the riddle written Mm -hmm, down. mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. you need only that to solve the riddle. You need only that, and it just needs to, you need just to, you just need to find the right approach. To this
1: yeah, thanks for describing riddles
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is that there is basically no hidden no hidden things anymore mm-hmm. you just need to um, understand what this riddle asks of you yeah yeah uh,
1: everything I need to solve it is, is there I just need to. Find a way to solve it's it. Not, it's yeah. not
0: like you that you're missing a piece or something. Mm. That's the important part of it. Um, yeah, amazing. I, so yeah, I love riddling. It, it's that,
1: it's fun. I
0: know. That's why I made that for you. And Thanks. I'm gonna very be very honest and and spoil this. This anomaly thing goes a lot fucking deeper. I figured. And it's gonna be a lot harder than this one. Oh boy. There will be a oh lot yeah. of riddles. There will be a lot of certain fucking things that also string together to older riddles.
1: Okay. Um, so that's
0: that, that's all
1: I will say. This first riddle. It might come back in the past to... It's just the fucking door.
0: It's it's not even just the fucking door. It's just the door handle.
1: Oh, perfect. Perfect. Hell yeah. Can't wait.
0: I I thought it was fun for Cyberpunk to basically put in like a net running ARG for all net runners and... (coughs) For all Netrunners and coders in the Mm -hmm. game, it would just make sense. And yeah, now you have that. And also an incentive to maybe crack it. That was Cyberpunk and that was Sunday for the both of us. Um, There was not really much you could else do. We had like nine hours of TTRPGs.
1: Mm -hmm. It was exhausting, but in a good way. I was was done after that, completely done, but I didn't feel bad at all. It was just amazing, just completely drained. And then on Tuesday... I had a session, however. Well, mm-hmm. you
0: didn't. I had. I had another Tyranny of Dragons session where my players right. are still on the heels of the green worm speaker, Neuron Vane, the prince of the elves that is supposed to be dead. And they found the latest city that his cult part, that this that, that his raiding party attacked and followed the tracks into the forest to find out that he has apparently found the key to an underground archive of the elves. That okay. houses the old ancient elven spell of the Draco Rage Mithral, which is a spell that lets dragons lose all of their mental capacities and turns them into vicious beasts. Oh, okay. Basically having no regard for anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Meaning mm-hmm. you basically make dragons into, into raging killing machines. That's
1: not good with the abilities dragons have. The
0: implications behind that is, right right before this chapter, my players venture to the Metallic Dragon Council to convince all metallic dragon lineages, all five of them, to be part of their alliance. Mm -hmm. Now, the cult has all five chromatic dragon lineages on their side. The thing is, the cult thinks, or the cult has... Um, the conviction. We don't care if our dragons lose some of their mental capacity and go shit on everything around the battlefield when it comes to it. I mean, some of them might even do that already. Yeah, some of them, some of the chromatic dragons might already do that. And second of all, when it comes to a final battle to see if Tiamat gets resurrected or not, we don't care if many of us die. We die for our cause. And well, the players, they would lose a lot of shit when suddenly all the metallic dragons on their side also go shit on their forces. It would definitely be a disadvantage. So they have to figure out how to still get to him before he gets the scroll and gets out. Mm -hmm. Because they know he is in the underground ruins already and looking for the spell. Oh, damn. As soon as he has it, he's gonna be gone. And, well, my players just locked themselves out of the magical globe of force that was cast around the portal that he used to open to get to the underground archive. Okay, how... I basically made a spell, or uh, I made a magical effect that basically puts on a magical, invisible globe around the camp and Mm -hmm. uh, around the camp where they where where the cultists are hiding and Mm the cultists are hiding right around the portal to the underground archive and it's a wall of force more or less so my players can't walk through it they need to teleport behind that wall of force and get to the portal they did that with dimension door but only for two people out of four Mm -hmm. because they don't have any other ways to get past it kinda they have some ways that they haven't used yet but those would also be more destructive in ergo meaning destroying the wall of force
1: Mm, okay yeah
0: so um the warlock cast dimension door twice he doesn't have any spell slots left they need to make a short rest and basically lose a lot of time and then still make a plan to get to that portal right because there is like a hundred cultists in that camp and you need to sneak somehow past them to get to that portal because you don't want to fight all of them and then still fight Neron Vane and the green dragon that is with him down there yeah very much not that is what's happening, and the players don't have a lot of time, and they need to come up with a plan and need to do it, and I know that they will have some kind of wacky shit plan that That's will fuck usual. everything up but work out greatly in the end. Perfect. This this is this is the way. The funny thing is that the Warlock player and the Ranger player both teleported behind the Wall of Force, went invisible, and then quickly snuck into the camp of Neron Vane and basically stole everything, his clothing and his... <laughs> chest of private things like his diary <laughs> and his regalia so th- th- that is what they did that is what they did perfect they they <laughs> they, they, steal they shit they went in there looked at everything and just stole everything they could could carry before dimension dooring out again
1: i mean maybe his under- underwear is important later who knows right uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's such a DD player move it's incredible or a ttrpg player move just steal everything that could potentially be useless but still have some sort of purpose mm. amazing love it but yeah i can't wait to hear more about that mm. sounds fun sounds yeah. fun
0: yeah uh, i uh, don't know when we're gonna play next because one of our players already canceled for the next session mm. because fuck you and then on the second day of christmas Every one of us is theoretically available, but one player who said no, even though I am available theoretically, I don't want to play that day because that day is for family and we're all like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) I think with that, we are done for today's recap and should just jump right ahead into our episode. Hear you all after our mid-roll. Hey listener, how are you enjoying the show so far? Tell us about it in whatever way you see fit. Go to our social media pages and add us or DM us about your favorite episode of the show. We would love to hear from you on what impact our show might have had on your home games. Or you could review us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a nice message with a five-star review. And if you want to go above and beyond, bring a friend into the fold. Tell them about our show and refer us to them so they can get a piece of the pie as well. Thank you for listening to D M and joining us on this incredible journey. Nils, I have something to talk to you about. At least right. something that is uh, kind of interesting to me. Yesterday, I had a session of The Dark Eye. We were at a Royal Ball and we were the honorary guests, more or less, at this ball. Yeah, we had all kinds of people talking to us. We had all kinds of social interactions, a lot of right political small talk mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What happened was a very cool moment that I think is a very good conversation starter for this episode is... Mm-hmm. We have a mage apprentice, or not apprentice anymore, but right, she's a full-fledged mage in the party. Okay. She's part of the grey guild of mages. There's three guilds, the white, the grey, and the black guild of mages, mm-hmm. with black being the bad ones. Uh, or not necessarily bad ones, they're still good mages, but they just don't shy away from experimentation that has moral ambiguity, you could say. Okay. Necromancy, for example, enchanting people, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And the White Guild, which is focused mostly on mostly on anti-magic, healing magic and protective magic against evil things. And the Grey okay. Guild, that is more uh, just a collective of everyone that doesn't fit into the other two. More or less, it it Mm -hmm. has its own values of basically freedom in exploration and research. However, obviously staying away from really dark stuff. Mm -hmm. So, And and she's part of the Grey Guild because that's what she always was. Mm -hmm. And in the game, she was asked by a white mage, why are you in the Grey Guild? And the player was too stunned to speak. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes later, he had looked up all of the values of all the other guilds and of all the mage guilds, more or less, and said, I have no idea why my character isn't a white mage. She has all the criteria for it, and the ideology of the white mages fits way better to hers. Mm-hmm. Why am I not a white mage? Right, and the character obviously had to do some explaining. For example, where she grew up, there wasn't even a white guild around. Mm-hmm. So that was the explanation for now. But now that you're a traveling mage, why don't you switch guilds?
1: Yeah, okay.
0: The, the the player asking the question came over to the character the character going why am i not a white mage i fit the criteria they hmm. could help me more in what i do normally okay and then we basically had the character questioning themselves and their ideology their portrayed ideology right okay. because yeah. they were wearing the robes of the gray guild representing them as as a gray mage even though when you would talk to them and know all of the three guilds you would think that she's a white mage. That was an unexpected moment at the table because it wasn't planned and it was never really talked about before. It wasn't something that the player and the GM both thought about before it was just that the gm had two white mages at the party that would obviously start talking to the other guild mage and then since this is part of guild politics between those three guilds talk a little bit smack about each other maybe a little bit fun jabs in 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 conversation but also right see if you could maybe convince them to join your side Mm -hmm. and well it worked (laughs) that moment of unexpected Not necessarily, it it wasn't character development per se, but it was a setup for character development.
1: Yeah, it it prompted it. And I think uh, especially these um, impromptu things um, that happen because neither the GM nor the player nor the character actually thinks about these things happen way more organically and more often than the planned character development prompts, I think, because that's just the way it works, kind of, Uh, because you talk to different people along your uh, travels as a player or as a character, rather, and you have your ways because that's just how you've always done it, how it's worked for you, and why change something that works for you, right? until you get prompted with something that may work for you better or um, something that you want to achieve in a better way or something along those lines and then it gets interesting because then you start to ask as a character yourself the questions okay i didn't think about that but why didn't i think about that mm-hmm. why am i not switching is there a reason do i want to switch do i want to do something different to achieve what i want to achieve just because i now now have all uh, have another option at hand yeah. and I think this is a big part of character development as well, or in or prompting character development is um, just present options.
0: I mean, let, let's first of all take a foot off the gas here, right? We're talking about character development today.
1: Yeah, first okay, of all fair, that, fair, okay?
0: Fair. fair, fair. <laughs> Very, let, let's take it. Let's take it slowly, okay? So that moment was unexpected. It wasn't scripted or it wasn't prompted because a player wanted this to happen or stuff like that, right? But now he's thinking about maybe doing. What would that mean? What would that mean for my character? What would that mean for my character's numbers and stats and that stuff? And I think for me, those moments, they cannot necessarily be that scripted anyway, because otherwise Mm. they won't feel as real. Exactly. But they are why I play TTRPGs. Going through a table, having a character in mind, and I want them... To come out the other end somehow changed for the better or for the worse, that is up to be decided while playing. Everything is up to be decided while playing. That is very important for this to work. But I come to a table with the idea that I have a character that I want to be changed by the experiences at the table.
1: Yeah, I mean, slaying dragons and stuff is cool and all, but have you ever tried... I mean, Changes slaying a dragon can be
0: part of that development, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, I don't mean uh, that—that's not part of anything. It's just, yeah, telling, uh, talking about slaying a dragon is cool and all, but talking and playing about what slaying that dragon did to you as a character is way more interesting to me. After what you've said, I guess to you as well. So, yeah, seeing your character become something else or something of the something that makes your character your character. Um, transform into something that makes a character something different but in a way that is not necessarily just prompted by you but done by you through the influence of different things happening around the world um with the world itself other characters in it or the npcs or just the things that you as a group have done mm-hmm. and i think that there are so many different things that can prompt so-called uh, character development and yeah, it's just amazing what you can do. I think it's easier to say what can't prompt character development because the list is pretty fucking short, in my opinion.
0: I think basically the list is completely empty. Exactly, it's, it's a null. It's a null list because mm-hmm. every anything and everything can prompt character development with a few things attached to it and also write the implications that it has. But again, let's take a foot off the gas. We're here for character development in TTRPGs. Yeah. Um. So why is that? Why are we here for character development?
1: I think because it's a way for you or for us to explore something uh, or how we would handle a situation or a certain happening in a safe space without re, uh, any real re, uh, repercussions. Yeah, I think uh, that it's a good proxy for something that you might want to discover. Might be um, might it be because something happened in your life in this in a similar situation or just because for the sake of it. But I think in general TTRPGs are a good proxy to kind of explore things mm-hmm. and situations in a safe manner. Obviously it's not yeah. a complete um translation between real life and ttrpgs obviously it's not but it can give you a direction in what it might feel like at least from my point of view that's how i always experience yeah
0: yeah yeah I, i think i think um one thing of why i like character development so much or why i come for that to the table for my character to be changed by the experiences is also because I'm somewhat in control and somewhat not, right? I'm, I'm the right amount of in control to say, I know how this is going to affect my character, whatever's going to happen, but I'm not in control of the situation they are in. Mm-hmm. Or exactly the other point around, I am in control of the situation, but I'm not in control of the character and how it affects them. Exactly. So I always am able to create moments on both sides, either mm-hmm. by reacting to the situation I am in, making the situation either worse. Better or just different, or by creating the situation in the first place. Yeah. And then reacting to what the others react to. Yeah. So I
1: think th- the beauty why I like this approach to this, either being it as a GM. uh, creating the situations or as a player reacting to those situations and creating the or changing the circumstances is to see how the other characters interact with that and therefore kind of prompting a waterfall of development prompts. Because like we said, the list that Mm. cannot um, prompt any uh, development is null. There is nothing. So just the um, interaction between one character and the situation that changed that character that interacted with it firsthand can then lead to an interaction between two characters and therefore to a new situation that then again prompts development or something that players are in control of in the regards of how to change that but not necessarily what prompted it in the first place mm-hmm. and just the interactions between those quote-unquote mechanics of the <laughs> game i think are so fucking interesting to mm-hmm. see when you just put down the seed basically and see <laughs> in to see what it grows into yeah and yeah. this is this is the reason why i love GMing personally mm-hmm. or one of the reasons there are multiple reasons why I love jamming, but this is one of the reasons, is to see with what kind of prompts that I can give my players, my players do something interesting and unexpected, or Mm -hmm. even completely expected, but in a a very fun and engaging way. Mm -hmm. And then creating their own prompts for themselves. Mm -hmm. Just because I described a scene. And then they prompt me to describe a new uh, and different scene, because obviously I have to describe something when they go somewhere. That's the thing. I create the this one situation and then are forced to create more and new situations mm-hmm. that then kind of force my players to interact with it again yeah in whatever way shape or form
0: right gtrpgs are this playoff back and forth back and forth between each other at the table in the game and only works if you play together in this beautiful harmony of throwing the ball back each time, right?
1: Exactly. It's kind of call and response. It's very much call
0: and response. But if you have kind of ball,
1: shifted. Both parties always call and respond at the same time to a certain degree. It's yeah. In that in that
0: analogy, there is no two parties. There is only one table. Everyone at the table exactly has the exact same job in that instance of the Mm. play that's why a lot of people right say the gm is also just a player that's exactly how it works here everyone at the table sits around the table and someone starts throwing the ball around and when you catch the ball it is your job to use it change it and throw it back to someone else or the same person or anyone at the table and that includes the gm and in this instance the gm has the exact same job as everyone Mm. else at the table call and response Get the ball, change it, throw it back. Now, in practice, that looks a little different to what players normally do because they use their character to interact, you use everything else to interact. Mm-hmm. But still, the exact the thing, the thing you're doing stays the same. Yeah. Get a call, you respond. So, character development. We talked about why it's kinda important, why we like it, and a little bit of what basically is character development now. So we have laid the baseline for this. One of the first things I want people to do when they think of character development and want to come to a table with a character that they want to be changed, be experiencing stuff by that play you need to make your character in a way that allows you them to be changed that allows the, that they need to be open to the experience at the table and that does not mean that the character is ready for adventure and says yes to every quest that is literally not part of it what is part of it however is for example in my opinion a character that has not lived an entire lifetime in their backstory exactly and i mean people know how much of an advocate i am for i don't care how long your backstory is as long as it's the right length for you you can write 20 pages For your character, but what I need you to do with your backstory is always think about at the end of that backstory that character needs to have a direction where to go, so they need to have some kind of call for adventure. But also, second of all, I really want your character to still have a life to live. Mm. I want them to still be open to new experiences because they will be experiencing stuff that they haven't before. They still need to do. Stuff. They still yeah. need to be able to experience my stuff and be changed by it. If your character has already experienced everything in their backstory and won't change through any experiences because anything I present is not better than your backstory, then your backstory is kind of shit. And I think actually that's where a lot of people that say don't write long backstories come from, right? Mm-hmm. For them, it's a problem. If your character has lived so much life and so much experiences outside of the actual table experiences, then it's very true that your character might not respond that well to the character table experiences. Since your character yeah. has already lived the adventuring life yeah. outside of the table. And you let, need to let things happen at the table. You need to have the interesting stuff actually happen at the table. So if you write your backstory and you make your character, I don't know, a townscarred that has caught a lot of killers, a lot of murderers, and has chased them and stuff like that, that's fine. But if you make your t- make, him a t- make them a townscar that has had everything happen to them, they've lived, they laughed, their love died... They've had kids. They've had friends and right. Everything mm-hmm. they, have, they have lived an entire life and they've had so many interesting changes already happen in their life that there is not much place left for those that happen at the table.
1: Yeah, and I think just to interject there, you can write that and still have a character that has room for development, yeah. but it's a way harder job to do than leaving things out for you to still experience yeah. anew. Yeah. It is still possible to have experienced mm-hmm. everything and still be changed by the experiences that you have in play. But it's a way harder job to pull off to make it feel natural and organic, then... Just having to or just writing something or creating something that hasn't experienced everything yet.
0: I don't know if it's necessarily harder. It's just when you write your backstory, always think about, do I need my character to have this already have happened to them? Or do I just tell my GM I would love for this plot point to happen? But if you think a character with a 20 page backstory can just as much experience new things as a character with a one page backstory, the amount of pages, the amount of words, the amount of content in a backstory does not really relate to the character but it does give an indication of how much a character has done before becoming part of the play now exactly and if your character is for example 600 years old they should have done a lot of stuff yes they should have a long backstory because they've probably experienced a lot of stuff yet at the same time they still need to be for example in in dnd and leveled game terms level one or whatever level you start at right yeah if your character has had 600 years to spend training the blade i just won't Believe you if he has a plus three to hit on a sword attack because he's level one. Mm. I somehow doubt that he's actually a sword master. But if you put in an explanation, that's fine again. Forgot everything, was cursed, whatever the fuck, right? Mm. And even though then that's an experiences they've already made, they can still make new experiences in play. And no matter the length of your the backstory, they can always make those experiences new in play. You, as a GM, just need to also read the backstory then to know what this character has already experienced to know what will trigger character development. And let's be real. Some GMs don't just don't want to reach a 20 page backstory. And I'm going to be honest, that is fine. If you don't want to reach a 20 page backstory, I give you full permission to tell your players that they should write shorter backstories for you.
1: Yeah. To just to that point, I had uh, been given a backstory once that was, I think 15 pages uh, as an in character uh, journal entry, basically. But I talked to my uh, player in that regard and they were so kind just to introduce a TLDR at the end yes. for me to read and then if I have any further questions I can go deeper into the 15 page backstory but just a rough summary of yeah that happened that happened that ha- that happened that didn't happen period I've had a player it's...
0: hand in a fucking backstory with a table of contents so oh yeah amazing totally
1: gets you. amazing
0: yeah the thing is right it isn't necessarily on topic that much but backstories are kind of part of character development because there's a the development happening yeah before play happens. Yeah. And, the, uh, and, and, and as a GM, as a GM, I'm going to say it. Yeah. You want to know what happened to those characters before play. You want yeah. to know because it will give you tools to do something later. You don't need a lot of stuff. You don't need much and you don't need it at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. But knowing what this character war has been through will help you later on creating moments that fit that character for their development even better. Yeah. If, if those moments come up in play, because you tell your players, don't write me a backstory, make everything up in play, and at some point your players sit around the campfire, and the war, the fighter says, I was a veteran. Mm-hmm. I have already fought a war, and I hate it. You didn't have to get a backstory for that, but that is material you can later use as a GM. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to that, because for the player, it is now an important fact that that character has been a veteran, Mm -hmm. and it's integral to that character's character having been a veteran
1: yeah and i think um it's not just um or or a backstory is not just the character development that happened in uh, before play but it obviously it shaped the way the character is now and therefore gives you like you just said prompts to further that development in a certain direction whatever that direction may be decided by the player Mm -hmm. and i think as a player to build in stuff that your uh, gm can then later use to prompt your character to be developed in, uh, in a certain way, yeah, is a big thing that you should do. However, that may look, you need to talk to your GM about this because play styles are different <laughs> and backst- uh, backstories are different. So, well, uh, who the fuck am I to uh, to tell you how that should uh, that shit should look? But the the classic knife theory thing magic put knives in uh, in your backstory for your GM to stab you with. Mm. Basically, this is a this is a big tip for if you want character development, put knives in there. Wherever the GM may stick those knives... Is up to them. Is up to the GM. And you don't want to know where he sticks them or where they stick them. Exactly. Because if you
0: don't know, your reaction will be way truer to what is actually supposed to happen.
1: Exactly. And the beautiful thing is if you think putting knives in there for your GM to stab you with and they are going to stab you in the back with it. And then they just come... Full on screaming at you with the knife in hand, right at you. You're always thinking. Not in real life. Yeah, yeah. It, as it metaphorical, okay, metaphorical. You're always thinking, okay, where is the? When will the GM teleport behind me and stick it in? It's not gonna. Ha- <laughs> when will the uh, GM teleport? And stab me in the back with it. (laughs) Better?
0: (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I just have a very filthy mind right now. Totally get what you mean, right? Yeah. It is up to the GM to use those knives against you at any given point where they seem fit. That is the beauty of that. If you would know it would happen, it wouldn't work. It really, really needs to be a surprise for the effect... To take place,
1: yeah, and just to uh, further that a bit, these knives don't always have to hurt. It, it doesn't yes. always have to be bad things that you put in your backstory for your GM to torture you with. Um, it can also be good things. It can be a butter mm. knife, okay, that, that the GM can use. You uh, can use. It's not always have to be hurtful to your character. Keep, just keep that in mind. I just want to make that as clear as possible. Just because mm. they are called knives, it doesn't mean they have to hurt. Because it's just metaphorical.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. got that. We've talked about basically all the setup up until play for character development. Mm -hmm. Now it actually comes into the character development stage. How do we get to a character development moment? For example, like the one I had before. What are the rough steps for both sides to take to get to a character development point? And I'm just talking to get there. Not the moment itself, but to get to that point. In
1: play? In play. In play. Seeing um, or analyzing the situation you're in and then plugging in whatever fits the situation in regards to the backstory. I know it it, it is the thing that happens in play or before, kind of. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you just don't prep enough, in quotation marks, you don't mm-hmm. prep enough or... Uh, too much. There isn't such a thing. It's you know what I mean, right? When your players do something that you haven't expected, you can still add in these character development prompts by knowing your characters. And if you know, uh, or if you know your characters, you know in which situations you could put in what type of prompt to fit the situation best. And I think this is a big thing to see. Just see what your characters are in right now, and as a situation, and then make a decision based on that because it should fit the whole circumstance as a whole. And not just, yeah, throwing it in there, even though we're currently in the mountains, but this prompt should take place under the sea. I don't care. Here it is. To make it feel natural and organic, these um, characters questioning themselves in a way, it should fit the situation at hand. Mm. I think this is the the first big step um, while in play. And then I would say not dumping it all at once is another big thing. For which side? the gm or the player both but talking especially for the gm currently just dropping little hints at first and then ramping up the amount of prompt that you drop at once
0: i i don't know it depends if that's... on the
1: situation again it's it's a thing
0: i don't know if that's True, really. I I, I don't know. I get what you mean, however, right? You don't want to hit your players instantly in the face with something. You have to pace it right. I think that's true. You have to pace it right. But that doesn't mean that you should hint at certain things happening a a long time ago. You can. Forever, yeah, for sure you can. You don't have to when it comes to pacing, right? It also just means that you shouldn't just focus on one character for way too long to give them that development, mm-hmm. right? Or to give them many development steps at the same time. Give them one and then switch to another player. Focus on them a bit. Focus. And I think that is what it's at. where it's at. You need to focus. Mm. You as a GM need to always have one character in a focus for development. You don't necessarily have to really actually decide on a character for focus. Because even if you don't focus, those characters will develop. Mm. But if you... Take one of the characters and go, okay, what is makes this character tick, right? Focus on that. Try to find that character's core, that essence, mm. and use it. Figure yeah. out what that character is about and how you can, as a GM, use that as a plot point, as a theme strand or whatever right? But you need to focus on one character in particular to figure that out. And I think that is very good. You don't have to necessarily actively in play put it in yet, but do basically character studies on your char- on the characters your players play. Look at them and go, okay, what makes this character tick? Okay, for this character it's money. Why is it money? What's their bigger reason? Okay, they've never had money in their life and now they've been showered with gold. So they just, first of all, don't know how to handle it, but second of all, want to To keep it, and they like money. For what, for what reason? Because they would like some luxury in their life and they need money for that. Okay, so this character is this and this and I could trigger them and I'm not saying meaning negatively triggering them. You could negatively trigger them but also positively trigger them by these impulses. Exactly. What impulses do I have for this character? And then you can switch to the next one and the next one and the next one.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, what you just mentioned, the impulses is a good thing uh, to talk about because I don't think that just one small little impulse impulse is going to do the metaphorical trick of Mm -hmm. completely changing one part of the character, but continuously hitting these little impulses over and over again, or with one big impulse, there's basically a threshold or a level that fills up in a certain way and if that level is hit, that kind of prompts that thing. Th- that's what I uh, meant with not dumping yeah. it all at once. Depends on the situation. You can just have this one big impulse that completely changes one aspect of uh, this character mm-hmm. or you can hit a small thing repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again over the course mm-hmm. of multiple sessions and then either have small little changes made over the time or after that there's one discussion in, inside their head without uh, with themselves about why and blah and blah and blah, right? And I think that this is something that you can, um, or where you can adjust and use these adjustments to shift the focus to certain players or not. If you uh, feel like uh, this character has gotten more screen time, basically, than the others, uh, then you Mm. can just turn the impulse intensity down, you could say. And then maybe look to another one, something along those lines. That's just one way to uh, regulate the amount of Screen time that everyone gets. That doesn't mean that in certain arcs or however you structure your campaigns, that one player is more uh, more in focus than the others. That's just. The way character arcs work, if your arc is currently focused on, for example, that gray guild mage in your uh, the Dark Eye campaign, mm. obviously the, dark, uh, the gray uh, guild mage is going to have more screen time than the barbarian, for example. It's
0: definitely true. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be a focus at all. It can be a sub point of stuff, right? We have mm. a plot that is currently the focus. Mm. And under that, each character obviously has their own goals, their own motivations, their own stuff to do. Under that, they can still have their own focus. But I very much agree. And it's a very good jamming technique to sometimes when you have a campaign and you want to pace it right. Take a character, any of the roster of your characters that you have at the table and say, okay, let's focus on that character for two to three sessions. What can I bring up from their backstory? What can I do to change them and stuff like that? What can I give them cool that would change their character? Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done with that, switch. Next character, next character, next character, while at the same time there's an overarching plot mm-hmm. of whatever, hap- whatever is happening. Exactly. You can always very easily switch between those characters and what they want, but you need to understand them first, right? Two to three sessions, four, five, six sessions understanding what these characters want, what they desire, how they are, how they're played, what they do, what they don't do, figure out why. For everything, write down a few bullet points into your notes about each character and then go for it. And those bullet points can be very simple. But then as a GM, you have the opportunity to set the scene. Now you're at the moment of the character development as a GM. As a player, one thing that the only thing that you can do to get to the character development point is what, Niels? Wait and be open to it. Exactly. Be open in general. Let every opportunity that arises at the table, every experience at the table work, mm. play with it, see how it works for you. And- Sometimes even if it is not planned at all, right? If the GM focuses on a different character that is your character's best friend and they change, that change alone can trigger something in your character Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't even have to be in focus. But that only happens if you're open and attentive of what happens in play. So take every moment that is happening with open arms. And if you take it with open arms, you will receive the great gift of your character being in focus and Mm -hmm. the great gift of having your character change and be influential around the table and in the world as well right that character because what character development leads to mostly is that your character will have an influence on others
1: and I think just being open-minded to these things and um, engaging with them open-armed and embracing all of these little situations how small they may be leads to other characters wanting to interact with you more and you wanting to interact with more characters Mm. and therefore or you're just building this weave of interactions that makes this campaign that you're currently playing a one of a kind, something uniquely special. Something that will never be recreated in a certain way, just because your characters will be different, because they will be influenced in a different way by the world around them or by the other characters. And just being open to all of that change leads to there being more opportunities for a change for everyone at the table involved. Mm -hmm. And if everyone is just completely open-minded to these things, you basically have a fluid, uh, formable mass of characters where still... There are peaks where everyone shines through. Yeah, You can still see every single character, but it's a complete mess that you can form and shape as the mass itself.
0: But also, right, if you're currently one of the players that is not in focus, help that other person exactly. be a supporting character. Yeah. Because when you're a supporting character, that can lead back to development for your character. But what you need to be for character development to happen is be involved in the table at the table with everything at the table i'm not saying that you need to pay attention at every given point i don't as well even as a gm i sometimes have to my play have to ask my players to repeat because my adhd is messing rampantly with my brain right now mm-hmm. and it happens when you're invested and part of everything at the table that will give you the opportunity to develop your character. And when something happens at the table, be it something that is specifically made for your character or specifically made for another person's character or just specifically made for the plot, think about how it will influence your character. If your character is a war veteran and you meet someone from a distant nation that was part of that war but on the other side, your character will have a specific reaction to it. And you should think about how your character reacts are they still the patriotic asshole they were when the war was happening and think that everyone on the other side is a scum piece of shit or have they learned that the war that they fought was pointless mm-hmm. that it was just a war for resources that his king or your king brought upon you even though there is nothing to different there's no real reason to actually fight these people mm-hmm. Fat propaganda. You yeah. can decide that. And then from that create a moment for development. Exactly. And when that moment of development comes, again, you as a player, it is your point. Take it take some time, reflect on your character and how you want them to be changed by that experience. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm gonna say it. You have the control over that. Even if someone else at the table says, Do you really think that? you can say Yes, I do. This is my character. I don't need to necessarily even give you a reason for it. I think my character is changed by that in this instance because I want it to be, because it is supposed to be so, because that is the best. Uh,
1: What I just thought of in uh, regards to that that kind of is being uh, what you mentioned before, a supporting character. Mm -hmm. Um, character development and the part of being proactive and reactive in regards to character development um, and the combination of those two thoughts. Mm -hmm. When you are open to everything and decide to go to be a supporting Mm -hmm. character for let's stick with the example with the war uh, war veteran that just met one of the other side or was once Mm -hmm. on the other side Uh, you as a character for example could proactively introduce a a character development prompt by uh, and still be a supporting character by just initiating uh, um, conversation about the fucking topic that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you necessarily will change but just giving someone the opportunity to change Mm -hmm. proactively is something that i think it gets overlooked way more often than it should be um because most of the time or that that's what i thought uh, way back as well mm. is um when someone proactively starts something they want to be uh kind of uh, in the spotlight or something mm. like that doesn't have to be the case just because you use the spotlight or if the spotlight just floats around grab it take it with you and just point it to someone else is a great way to mm. ensure that every everyone involved at the table enjoys that moment. Because it's mm. a, a proactive shift of focus that doesn't necessarily mean I want to hog all the spotlight. And yeah, you're just creating situations where, uh, let's stick with this um, conversation, where even if you're, um, if the player of that war mm. war veteran character hasn't decided in what way this will influence his character yeah. or their character gives them an opportunity to talk exactly about that how they feel and how they don't feel, and then decide with someone else or completely alone, but prompted by someone else, just by yeah. the other person being there. Yeah. And I think this is co- uh, often overlooked as a thing in character mm-hmm. development because, yeah, it, ha- it has to be from the GM or from the player themselves. No, it doesn't. It can be initiated by someone completely else, but still you being the main attraction. In
0: and if you're the someone else... Look for those moments. Exactly. Don't don't necessarily look for them all the time, obviously. But if another character at your table does something that your character would respond to, then respond. Because I as a player, when I do something, right, I want others to react to it. I want others to deal with that. Like, for example, in that same session, I took a flask from someone that was clearly on drugs and drank from it.
1: In the Grey Mage uh, yeah. court session, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah.
0: hmm? Kind of as a joke but also kind of to just see what would happen and to trigger reactions because it would be fun mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun and I was also drunk after that, so. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you as a, when you're sitting around the table, I think even if you're not looking for the same thing as Niels and I do with character development, then at least let this episode be a be a sign to you. You are able to guide the experience to what you want. If you're just 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 looking to roll some dice. That is also okay. Then guide the experience to rolling some dice. One of the things is very important. We talked about all of this happening basically rather naturally. But again, it is TTRPGs. It is about communication. You have full right to just explicitly state to your GM, my character feels more like a white mage. Can we make a change like that happen naturally in play in the story of the game? However, I want it to happen explicitly. I want it. Can we do that? Please.
1: Yeah, and I mean, uh, you as a player asking for opportunities for your character to develop themselves isn't necessarily rewriting fate or something mm-hmm. it just pushes it along quicker because if you're if you as the player feel like your character would want to develop something in that de- uh, regards you are gonna steer those experiences in that same direction mm-hmm. so if you just talk to your gm because it's a fucking social game talk to other people if you want something just fucking talk then it gets easier for everyone and it, you don't have to wait for a certain moment or have to mm. lead everyone to a certain moment and hope it will stick. But let the GM create something with you that mm. creates the, or gives you the opportunity to create such a moment. Mm. Or it gives the uh, GM the opportunity to create such a moment. And therefore doing this exact same thing that would happen naturally anyways, but a bit faster so you can enjoy the game better. Mm. So in general, talk to other people. God damn it. <laughs> We're oh, here yeah. to roll and, dice, talk other people and just do weird shit without our characters talk people talk one
0: other thing about character development is obviously right leveling up is part of character development that is where milestone experience actually comes from as far as I know, right? It's not about that the GM says at some point, yeah, 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 you can level up. It Mm -hmm. is that something happened that triggered your character to level up, right? A lot of GMs use Milestone just as a way to not track XP, and fuck it, shit, that's valid if you want to not track that. But Milestone XP is actually supposed to be, right, the characters hit a Milestone. Now they level up. And that can be individual Milestones. If one of your characters has a specific character development stuff or have had a session that changed that character, you can give them a level up without the other players. That's Mm. why I love point-by-systems so much. For that exactly reason, I can give that person's character more XP than the others. They've had a more intense session. At the end of the day, it still can all balance out because everyone will get such a session. Yeah. But... In the level system it feels a little bit i can see why it feels a little bit unfair to have someone a level higher than everyone but even then that's a minor difference in my opinion it isn't that big of a deal
1: yeah and i mean hopefully you're all playing for the same side anyway yeah most, most of the time yeah we talked about backstabbing and stuff 89 percent of the cases you're all working to achieve the same goal for example saving the fucking world mm And if someone can do it a little better for the moment, why be mad about that? As long as, as a table, you all agree that you're all going to get there at some point. Yeah. And it's not like a five-level difference. Like, if they decide to just switch, it's over. So keep that in mind. Keep everyone cool at the table and look for amazing stuff to do. Look for opportunities where your character may be willing to change or should be willing to change or even if they won't uh, aren't willing where they can change because you as a player are willing to change your character yeah and i think with that i don't have anything else burningly waiting to be uh, be out there
0: i have i have nothing else i think we've talked about development from before the moment and what happens after right let mm-hmm. that change come let that change linger figure out how it goes from there and Let the development you've made be shown exactly. Hell yeah. And with that, I think we've talked about everything before, while, and after.
1: Yeah. So thank you all for listening and see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Double DM. It appears you liked this one. What we had to say and our advice helped you. Why not show us how we helped you in a rating or even write a review detailing us how we helped? You can do this on the platform that you are listening on right now. It's just a few clicks, doesn't take long, and helps us out. It gets us out there and our advice into more ears of more people. Thanks again for listening and joining us on this amazing journey. Have a great day and see you on the next one. Bye-bye.